This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. All right, hello everyone. Welcome to the Geology Flannelcast. My name's Steve. Hey everybody, this is Chris. Good evening. This is, uh, I'm Jesse. Ah, when you told us we're doing this all in one take straight through, I was like, I'm going to nail this tonight. You did. Literally. I got the yips a bit there. Yeah. You forgot your name for like half a second. I did. I do that (laughs) often. Anyways, hello everybody. Welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast, the premier geology podcast. Hope everyone's having an amazing day. We're having a great day ourselves. Things couldn't be better over here. Oh, no, things could be better wow. here. So I'm drinking tea tonight and my flannel cast mug was dirty. So this tea now tastes 20% not, not as good. Yeah, <laughs> It's like 80% of the quality it should be. That, Do you that have another mug, geology mug? It says, of course, I love geology. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, it's not, not as good as my flannel cast mug, though. Just saying. Hmm. Well, we have a extra special episode today. Not that all episodes aren't special to us, but this one's this one is extra special today because this is a uh, Patreon request episode. So, if you become a quartz tiered Patreon member, you get to request a episode, and we will cover that topic. So, this week's topic is on. Uh, on the topic of clay minerals for our close friend of the podcast, Jamie. So, Jamie, this one goes out to you. Um, clay, never heard of it. What All do you right. guys got? Uh, they did a, you make like pottery and stuff out of it. There's like that, 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 like, you know, that famous scene from Ghost, right? Where they're working on the, the pottery wheel. <laughs> I just saw a meme the other day. It was that famous scene. And in the background was Ray Stance with his ghost busting outfit on. <laughs> <laughs> like he was gonna shoot Patrick Swayze. Oh, it's hysterical. Uh, I, my, I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Uh, do you, do you know the story about how they rub all the baseballs with? with yeah. And it's uh, from the Delaware they, River. Refresh my memory. So they, they rub all the baseballs with mud. Oh, there. Oh God, that's it. No, so all, all of the major league baseballs get rubbed with, with a mud. Um, that helps grip and helps the batter see it a little better. Um, mm. Does it help them see it a little better or a little worse? I forget. It helps them grip. It helps with grip is the yeah. main yeah. thing. Um, now, but it, it, uh, they, they always take the mud from a, a, the same place? The same exact place. It's a, like a secretive location. Oh. Um, and it's off the Delaware River in, in New Jersey. No kidding. It's called Lena Blackbird. Lena Lena Blackburn baseball rub and mud. Uh, really? Yeah. Yep. And it was, so Lena Blackburn was the third base coach of the Philadelphia Athletics. Well, that's back in back. the day. Yeah. He, he sort of realized that rubbing it with. So it's so they all use the same mud. So this guy and his wife, I think, are the proprietors of it, and they just package like they just go out with the shovel to their secret spot. It's like a little tributary off the Delaware and they shovel in five pound buckets or five gallon buckets of this mud and they send it to all the major league teams. You know, they get through a lot of, uh, a lot of baseballs every game. How many baseballs there's gotta be some kind of statistic. Yeah, How many the, baseballs the average game goes through? I think it's like 50. How many baseballs? That's nuts. Uh, Cause they're like four or five bucks a piece. Yeah, oh, probably more than that for the professional ones. Aver- oh, wow. The average game uses 120 baseballs. No kidding. Wow. Yep. I wonder what they do with the the ones that are used. You know, every uh, time it touches the ground, they get a new one kind they, of thing. They sell game used balls in their store. They're going to make a buck. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did about three days worth of research on Clay Aiken. So I guess that's not what we're talking about here today. No, but no, you ahead. Let's, let's hear what you got to say about Clay Aiken. No, well, I'm not going to say. <laughs> I, yeah, break out in the song and or his run for Congress. The man does it all. 
He's running for Congress. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's he's running. He's, Was he an American for- Idol guy? I didn't yeah. really do research on Clay Aiken. Sorry. <laughs> it was sorry, sorry to disappoint. I think he came in second place. He did. You know who beat him? Was uh, Kelly Clarkson, I want to say. No, that was Justin Guarini came in. <laughs> Jeez Louise. All right. He beat up Clay Aiken. Clay Aiken came in second place. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. We're, American, this is American Idol hour now. All right. I feel like we've already spent way too much time on American Idol. It, this is like the 25th season or something. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that is an interesting story about Clay, Jesse, with the baseballs. Yeah, I thought so. Clay Aiken lost to Ruben Stuttered. Ruben Stuttered. Yeah, he was the big guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, big guy. Ah, well, there you go. So Clay, we're going to talk about that for the first uh, six minutes of the podcast, right? Yeah. So clay (laughs) mineral, um, the clay mineral is a term used for a small number of minerals that occur with a grain size of less than two microns. Whoo, that's tiny. That is tiny. Less than one two hundred fifty-six of a millimeter. That's the that's the better way to measure it. It's. I guess wouldn't that be 2.56 2.56 microns. Yeah, but we're rounding. <laughs> At that point, who's going to yeah. really call you out? Who's right? What, what who's... if it's what if it's uh whatever it is 0. 0.253 micro micro or yeah micrometers. Um. um so which it... definition? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Which definition should we go with then? Well, the, the you're talking about clay size particle. Clay size particle is that size. One two hundred fifty sixth of a millimeter, and they're just saying that. What was this? And then, but the a clay mineral is a clay mineral is a small group of minerals where the largest yeah. dimension is less than two microns. And I mean, are they all aluminum? Are they all phyllosilicates? Uh so Do you know that off the top of your head, t- talc. Is triclinic. Okay. Um, Are we throwing some big words out here, fellas? Let's. Uh, uh, that that's just a mineral habit. Uh, so that is actually derived from uh, magnesium, but small amounts of aluminum or titanium can be. I didn't realize that anything could be a magnesium silicate clay mineral, but I guess talc can be. So. Talc is always messing things up. Yeah, because uh, it's it's actually alterations of magnesium silicates like olivine, pyroxene, amphiboles, um, and b- basically there's like this high temperature pressure regime where where talc can be formed. So th- that's naming, techn- naming all the 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 high temperature minerals on Bowens right now. Yeah, essentially, and it, it's like a breakdown of it, like. Chris, Chris thought it was mostly metamorphic, which would make sense if, you know, in order to get those, you just break down those other minerals. Um, but yeah, that's clay. Clay's small, teeny tiny. Um, and because it's teeny tiny, most of the time, no, not most of the time, almost all the time, you can't really determine what type of clay it is with regular old mineralogy hand tools um, yeah. can't, you need, can't pick up can't pick up a handful of it and be like let's pull out the old hand lens yeah oh this is yeah. definitely ko and i no, you can't you, you usually can't tell without x-ray diffraction you can well I'll, I'll say this you can get a ballpark idea of what you might be dealing with like if it's like an expanding clay yeah yeah, yeah you but, can yeah, break it down point, into yeah. into groups yeah yeah but yeah. you can't define the individual constituents like down to the mineral yeah yeah. if we're getting into the mineralogy end of it yeah yeah because it's so teeny tiny the only thing that's small enough to get in between the crystal lattice is actually the x-ray end of the electromagnetic spectrum like visible light is too big visible light is what that's 400 to 700 nanometers that's a crazy statement what you just said there visible light is too big to get in between the individual clay layers. That's nuts. 
Yep. Because we're dealing with like the, the layers in between the individual clay layers. We're dealing with like on the scale of like angstroms, right? Yes. So Holy like moly. That just blew angstroms. my mind a little bit. That just clicked. Oh, yeah. I don't like light, it. Light's too fat to get through the cracks of clay. Basically. I'm not, we're not trying to fat shame light, but. <laughs> well, oh, light, light looks terrific. You, you look great just the way you are, light. Yeah. Yeah. Own it. But at the same time, Oh yeah, so X-rays have have the so when we say the too fat, we mean the wavelength. Yes, the, so the wavelength from the from the uh, top of the crest to the bottom of the trough. That right? There's the wavelength. No, no, wavelength. From no, the crest, to crest, 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 crest. Thank you. We're talking wave height. I knew I was. It, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I knew it was wrong. <laughs> but I, do you, Ralph, like, you ever do that when you're teaching? Like <laughs> whenever you're lecturing and you're like. As soon as, as it's coming out, you're like, nope, 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 none of this. <laughs> nope, that's wrong. <laughs> I always feel like a, a dope being like, uh, wait, never mind. Just kidding. Uh, my bad. But, but that's, that is, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, even ultraviolet light is too big boned to, to make it to, yeah, too husky. <laughs> to make it through the clay because ultraviolet goes down to about 10 nanometers. So. Yeah. And like, yeah. And like Chris said, we're talking about angstroms, like super duper small. What's what is an angstrom 10 to the minus 15, 15. Yeah. 12. I don't know. Angstrom is what they measure. Like Uh, between atoms, one to the negative 10th. Tenth meters, so that'd be one to the. Uh, oh my God. In, yeah. In what are we talking about? Yeah, millimeters. Meters. No, yeah, meters. In, in meters, one to the. It's one to the negative seventh millimeters. It'd just be three. So. Yeah. So. So, visible light stretches. Okay, visible light stretches from four thousand to seven thousand angstroms. Yeah, so, and we're talking like one to two. Yeah. Angstroms. That's crazy. I mean, it totally makes sense when you think about it, but yeah. Yup. 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 So this is why, so clays are just weird, right? They, they just, it just, it's really clays get really squirrely. It's as close. I guess, uh, clays are like the kind of weird stuff just happens to them. It's as <laughs> they it's have a, like they have a ton with, like, of surface area compared to their mass. So they're, they're like, you know, everything's hanging out there and when everything's hanging out there, they have all different kinds of charges that, yeah, you know, make, like Chris said, make them squirrely. <laughs> they're harder to erode, even though they're really small. Um, and yeah. Yeah. What is that? The Yulstrom diagram, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. Does that sound right? Uh, Hulstrom's. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the, yeah. The energy needed to pick them up. Yeah. Yeah. So you need a lot more energy to, to get them up in the air or in the water. But then once they're there, they're there for a while. Yeah. 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 Like clay can stay suspended in water. For, like if you have still water, clay can stay suspended in there for, I don't know, like I a mean, month. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you could run through, um, What's a Stokes equation? Yeah, Stokes yeah. law, baby. Stokes. So Stokes law, just as a refresher for us all, tells us the, the settling rate of a sphere. But we can, we apply it to any grain. And so if you know the density of the grain and the size of the grain and the density of the fluid, and um, what is it though? The height of the fluid, the the height of the, the column of the fluid. The height of the column the fluid is in. You can determine how long it will take for that grain to settle. Yeah. So if 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 you were to do X-ray diffraction on clay grains, that is a good way to to do it. You calculating things, calculating it using Stokes law. You essentially put it in a big, long, skinny, tall column of water. You swirl everything around. You let it sit for, you know, depending upon your column and all that stuff, you let it sit for two days. And then 
anything that is still floating around in that column of water is clay. Yeah. But like Chris said, that clay can stay there almost forever. Sometimes because of the, again, because of the charge and because of the water, um, they just stay suspended, um, <clears throat> which is kind of pretty cool. So, oh, so then, then you're left with this muddy water that's left on top. And according to Stokes, anything that was bigger than one 256 of a millimeter should have fallen out of the water column. So then you suck that muddy water out, you run it through a filter and everything that's left on the filter is your clay, but we're talking clay. So your filter has to be super duper slamming small. So your filter paper that you're putting on is usually 0.45 microns. So we were talking clay is bigger than there's less than two microns. So then you're taking it all the way down to 0.45 microns. So essentially the only thing that's going through that filter is the water molecules. Um, and, and if you've ever seen a 0.45 micron filter, it just looks like a sheet of plastic. <laughs> it doesn't even look like a filter because that's, that's how small the holes are in it. Yeah. Once again, this is some crazy stuff we're dealing with. The clays are just so weird. <laughs> they never cease to amaze me. No. So, so we can break, you know, this again, you know, mineralogists are probably like shaking their fists at us, but you can break clays down into two basic groups. If you will, you have your, your TO clays, your tetrahedra octahedral clays. And then you have your TOT clays, your tetrahedral, octahedral, tetrahedral clays. Um, how do I explain that without using my hands? Uh, this is going to be good. This is, yeah. And we're judging you every step of the way, Steve. So Yeah. So <laughs> imagine uh, if I was holding one hand with five fingers. <laughs> Uh, so a, a tetrahedron is, you know, uh, like a three-dimensional triangle-ish shape. The octahedron, like a, yeah, like a pyramid. pyramid. Yeah, the octahedron the is three-dimensional triangle, also known as a pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm tr- I'm trying here. Uh, <laughs> so when you have this triangle on top of a, a octahedron, and then a triangle underneath it. The, these two basic shapes, the tetrahedral octahedral or the tetrahedral octahedral tetrahedral shape, um, they one is basically the kaolinite group, kaolin, um, and then one is the, I, I guess I'm going to call it the smectitic group. Yeah, smectite group. Yeah, smectite. <clears throat> so kaolinite is pretty darn interesting. Um, so the kaolinite is the TO type group, the tetrahedra-octahedral group. Um, very minute, thin, rhombohedric or hexagonal plates. Um, you know, if you look it up, you can see, like, to, in order to see the plates, you usually need, like, a scanning electron microscope. It's like something, like, super-duper uh, magnification in order to see something like that. The perfect cleavage in the zero zero one direction. If for again for those mineralogists out there, um, you know, earthy, dull colors, white usually um, shows little compositional variation. It's usually just an aluminosilicate, Al two Si two O five OH four. They're recognized usually by its clay-like character. Well, that's a definition if I've ever heard one. How do you define this clay? By its clay-like character. <laughs> it's fitting. Fitting yeah. works. Um, like that. <laughs> uh, but without x-ray tests, it's impossible to distinguish from other clay minerals, like we just said. Uh, kaolinite is a common mineral, primarily constituents of kaolin or clay. It forms from orthogenic mineral at low temperatures and pressures and sedimentary rocks. Um, did, 
It's also a secondary mineral form from weathering or, or hydrothermal. Yeah, alteration. yeah. So let's let's talk about that for a second. So you see yeah. that a lot. Like basically, you see the Steve said. Um, well, actually, it's not just sedimentary rocks. Uh, any type of rock that has feldspar in it, eventually, the fe- that feldspar is going to chemically alter um, into into clay. So feldspars can't really hang for that long in terms of uh, chemical weathering. So they'll they'll break down into into the clays. And so I know I, I, all three of us are sedimentary geologists and, um, you know, uh, but I, I, I remember, I mean, whenever you look at a, a like a, a thin section under a microscope, a lot of times, especially if you have a, um, like a, a type of rock that had a lot of feldspar in it, you can see a lot of times you'll see the clay in there, but it'll be in the shape of the feldspar. It kind of like the, the feldspar, you know, chemically alters into the into the clay, but it's kind of stays stuck there inside the rock. Yeah, you can actually see the feldspar <clears throat> turning into clay too. Like, yeah, yeah, the bottom of the like delaminating kind of. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like splitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you've ever seen saprolite, um, in, I guess it's hard to see it in situ. I've only ever seen it in core, but I've seen you basically drill down. You know, you get dirt. Then you get like a clay layer and then you get what's called saprolite and then you get into the hard rock, but then you pull it out and the, it, the saprolite can almost look exactly like the hard rock, but it's like hard rock, hard rock, hard rock. And then it's like, I don't know, almost something like out of science fiction. You like put your finger through it. It's so yeah. soft. This is rotten rock. Is also yeah, I was just going to say it's referred to as rotten rock. Yeah. 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 It is. It's cool how, yeah, it's just like, it just falls apart. But did it, you guys know that you can uh, synthesize kaolinite in a lab? I did. I don't think I knew that. No, but just like lasers, weather uh, like super either. duper fast weathering of feldspars. Uh, it is a little bit of chemistry involved. Uh, I don't know. They use uh, alumina. I don't know what that is. Uh, you don't know I don't what know. But, <laughs> Aluminum, a Chevy Alumina. Um, <laughs> start thinking with the pH for a couple of days. Um, you add silicon and aluminum, and I don't know. There's a bunch of chemicals. I mean, you can make yeah, you're just making a clay. Yeah, One of the interesting hard. things about kaolinite is so kaolinite forms naturally in, in, in soil, in, in soil that especially soils that are sort of sitting for a long time. So like if you have like an alpha sol with a really nice clay layer, you can get kaolinite forming. Um, And so I I was looking at, it was really interesting, um, these paleosols and I was trying to say they were all kaolinite. And I was trying to say something about the kaolinite other than that it was kaolinite because it is so detrital and it can come from elsewhere because uh, it's, it's pretty stable and it doesn't, once it forms, it doesn't break down too easily. And one of the ways to, to sort of figure out if it was forming in place as a soil, which would say the landscape is really stable or if it just got washed in, say, you know, as clay does on soils was by looking at it under a scanning electron microscope where you could see the plate, the actual, because the clays are like these plates. And so if all the plates were sort of stacked versus if they were all jumbled, was one way you could say if it's forming in place versus if it just got washed in and all the plates got sort of messed up. Very cool. Yeah, it was an interesting way to sort of think about clay and look at clay. So different, it, you know, this it doesn't have to do with soil fabric. This is, this is zooming in even further into the actual clay to see how the clay um, plates are stacked. Hmm. You know, l- latticecepic versus skeletocepic versus, you know, that, that sort of clay fabric rigmarole. What does skeletocepic mean again? I remember learning about it and I, uh, it, it's, I don't know. I think of it like a skeleton, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like built, build up lattice epic is like a lattice, uh, 
What are some of the other ones? So lattice lattice is like a lattice and it's from wetting and drying. So as it gets wet, they worry all the clay grains orient in one direction. As it dries, they, 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 they're oriented and then it gets wet again and they orient in a different direction. Is that, it's basically wetting and drying somehow. Okay. is, yeah, it's a skeleton, but they, they align themselves on like bigger grains. Hmm. They, they pile up. Yeah, that's right. Around the bigger quartz, grains. Yeah. Big quartz hmm. grains and things like that. So you well, could, so we can look at soil or ancient soil under, under thin section and just from the clay within it, we can start saying something about the drainage and how wet or how dry it was, which is really interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And- I got a, uh, an interesting fact about, Kaolinite. We're spending a lot of time on Kaolinite here, but it's uh, well. I mean, it's most, a, it's yeah. It's one of the it's, most important ones. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those important ones. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, kaolin. One of the uses for kaolinite is if you have an upset stomach, you can uh, you can take a product with kaolinite in it to make your tummy feel better, like uh, kaopectate, um, uh-huh. and then actually uh, Pepto Bismol has some of the stuff in it too. So it uh, uses uses kaolinite that's not the a lot of people knew that um that fact about kaolinite but do you know how they figured out that uh to use kaolinite to to soothe your stomach again you guys know the story no how parrots parrots in south america were ingesting it what and so then later humans said "Oh, oh these parrots are eating this uh this kaolinite and then that's how that's how people figured out that kale night helps make your stomach feel better from watching pirates eat this stuff. I've seen animals in the wild eat a lot of weird <laughs> stuff. Never once have I thought yeah. like, oh yeah. But isn't oh. that like I mean it's I I, I there's there's a, a step missing there where like maybe the parrots are like, my belly hurts. <laughs> they can talk. Parrots can talk. All right. Yeah. So that's it's really Ooh. easy to figure out what they're doing. Tell <laughs> me trouble. Uh, uh, do you know another interesting use for kaolinite? What's that? It's used in glossy paper. Oh, yes. That's it's the shiny part in some glossy papers. And it's it's also used as a filler in paint, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there's a ton of uses. I was just trying to think of like off the wall, interesting ones. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Um, what's the? I mean, so clay, clay. Obviously, we have all we're kind of talking about killing it. We can we can talk about some other types here. What's the one that has potassium in it? The so one it's, what? It's radioactive clay, because they use that as a glosser too yes there's that story about the port setting off the radiation detectors (laughs) at the port these shipping containers came in and they they set off a radiation detector this is right after like 9-11 i guess and um so like locked down the port and here it was just all of these shipping containers full of magazines like Vogue or something insane, but no kidding. there were so many of them, and they're all packed together. Yeah, the, the glossing agent w- had potassium in it, which is naturally radioactive. So there, there were so many that it, it it produced enough radiation to set off the now sensors. I think are pretty sensitive. So yeah, I can't remember. It- I <clears throat> I'm looking. I'm trying to look, but I can't find it. But yeah, is it true? There's there's the urban legend story that uh. Bananas have set off those uh, um, detectors oh, I, as well. I, yeah, absolutely. I believe that's true. Yeah. There's and a lot of potassium. About, what about kitty litter? I've heard kitty litter. Kitty litter has set off that because of the. Uh, what's the one ingredient in kitty litter? Like there's like some that had like volcanic ash. What is it? Vermic- it's got vermiculite in it. Which is also another clay. So vermiculite is a is a type <clears throat> of clay. Um. Which, uh, it's a well. Let's I don't know. let's finish up kaolinite real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. So so kaolinite um, has a bunch of different uh, minerals that are really close to it. Um, one is dikite, hehe, <laughs> uh, which is kaolinite 
transformed after about 120 degrees C. Um, so it doesn't take much for it to change. Uh, what I do is just give it, get a little uh, kick in the butt with some heat. Yep. Interesting thing about kaolinite. It's available in every country in the world and is commercially produced in nearly every state in the United States. Oh, wow. yeah. Um, it, m- many products like bricks, paving bricks, draining tile, sewer pipes, things like that. Um, high grade clay is known for China. Um, or Kaon used additionally in manufacture of China and pottery. Uh, it's the largest thing it's used for is a filler in paper. Um, it's also used in the rubber industry, manufacturing and uh, manufacturing of refractories, I guess, like mirrors and stuff. There's but does anyone? Ka- oh, God. I was going to say, does anyone know where the word Kaonite comes from? Oh, no. This is usually a Thornburg final thing. cast. Yeah, tell yeah, us. Yeah, no, that. I'm on the end of my seat the here. I'm origin right. of this. So it's a corruption of the Chinese word kaoling, kaoling, K-A-U-L-I-N-G, meaning huh. high ridge. It's the name of the hill near Jiangchu Fa, where the mineral is obtained. So I guess it's a big cliff because it's a it's a type A soil. If you're uh, talking about engineering properties of soil, meaning that it would be a cliff forming. Well, I guess not cliff forming, no, but cl- clays can stick together enough to, to kind of form uh, high walls. So that's where it came from. How about that? Um, but then we have this other hello site, um, which cool. I didn't know that much about. But Chris, what you looked up some properties of this thing. Yeah, it's um Haloi site, Haloi site, Hello site, site. Haloi yeah. site. I always Sorry. said Haloi, but okay, but we'll I don't know. Stick with it, Haloi, Haloi site. Um, it basically it's it's similar to kaolinite, um, but it's made of these uh, uh aluminum silicate kaolin sheets that are rolled over several times, so it makes these little nanotubes, and there's a lot of uses coming out with for these uh these haloisite nanotubes. Um, at, let's see. They're used for, they're using them in like the pharmaceutical industry um, to basically deliver, deliver drugs inside your body, move stuff around. Um, uh, yeah. Drug delivery, uh, gene delivery, tissue engineering, cancer and stem cell isolation, Bioimaging. There's a lot of these, um, a lot of really interesting uses for this uh, for haloisite um, in the, uh, I guess uh, the bio. I don't know if that's engineering. Biotech. Biotech. That's the best word to use. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah interesting. They're using. They're trying to use to incorporate haloisite in cancer therapies because it is that that uh, it's in this like nanotube shape. And it's just naturally like that. And you don't have to engineer anything for, to make that shape. It's just, it's just like that. And it's, uh, it's ready to go. That's really cool. Wow. Um, um, yeah. I wonder if they use them for like proton therapy where they like bombard parts with protons. So I guess if you had a nanotube, you could, you know, essentially make that the barrel of your proton gun. Yeah, I guess, uh, I don't have an answer for that. How no, I just, exactly, I'm exactly totally spitballing. Yeah. But, um, all right. So I, you know, we, we scratched the surface there with kaolinite, if you will. One, one last little fun fact. Well, it's not a fun fact. It's, but it's, uh, people have been known to eat kaolinite when they're starving because it fills your belly and it doesn't really do any harm to you when you eat it so there's been all these cases like especially like in the in the south where like people are like starving and they're eating uh eating kale night just to fill their stomach so Ugh, that's awful i mean yeah that, that that's that's called um geophagy the people that have if they're nutrient deficient or, or they're starving you know in these famine stricken places they'll they'll eat chalk or, or clay um, no, isn't it part, that they get they get cravings for it yeah well because they they, they there's they, they do you can get some nutrient out of it um so it's just 
you know, you have this nutrient deficiency and so your body sort of knows, but, um, you know, it might have some microbial effects as well, but otherwise, I mean, I don't recommend it. No, it's gotta be an, an interesting number two later. (laughs) Yeah. I think it, it mainly, you know, it happens to people in sort of dire straits. Yeah. The band (laughs) dire straits. Yeah. Money for nothing. Chicks for free. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Let's go to another, another, other, I'm all kale and I did kale and I did out right now. Yeah. Um, Smectite group. So we talked about the TO structure, right? The tetrahedral octahedral. Now we're going to go into this smectitic group, which is the TOT structure. Um, the, this is a, this is a group, you know, a lot of people just call smectite a clay, like a mineral, but smectite is not a mineral. Smectite is a group of minerals. Um, it's the TOT layers of the both dioctahedral and trioctahedral type. Um, their capacity to absorb water molecules between the sheets is their like claim to fame, thus producing marketed expansion of the structure. So basically then a TOT structure, you have a TOT and then you have a TOT under it. There's that space in between and that space in between has a huge capacity to absorb water molecules. So um, the, you know, the most famous dioctahedral members are the Montmorillonites, um, which are um, the dominant clay mineral. Uh, One of them is bentonite. And I'll, I'll talk about bentonite in a minute. They're basically altered volcanic ash, um, so they can they can expand several times their original volume when placed in water, which is which is huge. Um, illites differ from micas and other montmorillonites. They're mostly aluminosilicates containing more water. So I'm not really going to talk about illites, but um, Two clay minerals that have commercial applications are montmorillonite and vermiculite. Mm. So montmorillonite, again, I'm just going to like the major component of bentonite. So bentonite is used. um, I use it very often. Uh, You use it a lot in drilling applications when you're drilling into the ground um, because of its swelling properties and because it mixes well with water. Um, sometimes you use it as what's called drilling mud. This helps lubricate the bit to keep the bit from getting too hot, which keeps the bit lasting longer. Um, and water, you know, it changes the property of the water because sometimes the water isn't dense enough. So you need something denser. So this'll, this'll help the water sink. Um, it also has like heat capacity properties, all kinds of good things. And then again, because of its expanding properties, when you're all said and done, they usually throw bentonite in around the well because it will swell and it cuts off everything else from that well, um, which is, you know, pretty cool. I got a uh, got a fun fact for you about bentonite, where it comes from. It's uh, it's named after Fort Benton, Wyoming. Yeah, I was going to huh. say Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah, it's where its largest source is found, and uh, Montmorillonite clay uh, stems from the region of France called Montmorillon, where it was first found. Nice. Huh. So there you go. Um, but yeah, they swell a ton. Uh, if you've ever um, had to walk through a muddy job site or a muddy field or something like that, and you're walking and walking and walking, and with every step, your boots get heavier and heavier and heavier and you get more and more mud on your boots. That's smectite. <laughs> That's those swelling clays swelling up and sticking to your crap. Um, I mean, yeah. Smectite <clears throat> ah, really gets you sometimes. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, it's used in the petroleum industry, uh, bonding clays and foundries, bonding agents and hematite rich ore pellets. Uh, these 
They use as backfill. Like I said, they're also used as backfill. I didn't know this. I just learned this today in high level radioactive waste. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they bury high level radioactive waste, like the, the hardcore stuff. They bury them in mountains, usually like Yucca mountain, for instance. And they, when they put these drums of this stuff, they surround it all with bentonite and the bentonite has a ton not a ton. It has five main factors. So they have low hydraulic conductivity, meaning water's not coming in and out because once it swells up, it swells up and then that's it. Nothing's moving in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, they have good swelling properties, like we said, to seal the construction, you know, the, the construction of these caves. Um, and it fills in the joints and it fills in rock joints and fractures too. Mm-hmm. Uh, their plastic ability absorbs rock movements. So if there is any sort of earthquake or any shifting, um, the mamarillonite acts like a sponge and absorbs that, that energy. How about that? Yeah. Um, they show good retention of radionuclides, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So even if they are emitting out <clears throat> the mamarillonite or the, yeah, uh, sucks it up. The bentonite sucks it up and they are stable over a period of, 10 to the eight years. So 10 with eight zeros. What is that? Uh, uh, seven, 10 million, 10 million years, years. 10 million years, yeah, 10 million years. So they also, I believe um, that in landfills, after every layer they put, they're supposed to put a layer of clay yeah. on top uh, on top of the, like, it's like every day or something like that. Or they're supposed to, no, line, not every, the, the, they're they're lined with clay so the, the with, so the it, bottom has clay in it yeah is it just a, i thought that in between the different layers of well they they, de- they definitely put that, stuff on top down. yeah they might have a set like yeah. how thick they can make each layer yeah to create additional barriers but yeah it's just a really good um what we call it a, it would be an aqua clued yeah aqua tart yeah. Yeah, because it can move. Water can percolate through it, but slow. Yeah, like there is super some slow. Permanent permeability, but but it's like you know, where sand it might move in a few hours, with clay it might move in a few decades. You know where else they found smectite? Mars. Ooh. Hmm. Volcanic right. ash on Mars. Well, yeah. I mean, you can get it. Yeah, you can get it from. Olympus months. Yeah. And it, but the, the thing that was important about it is one of the main ways it forms is, is by, by um, water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Weathering. Yeah. So water is involved in, in the process. So uh, we've already mentioned another uh, smectitic mineral, which also has a lot of super awesome properties. And that is vermiculite. Mm-hmm. So vermiculite is a magnesium aluminosilicate also. Um, so vermiculite is also a swelling clay. It doesn't swell as much as bentonite, but it still swells a lot. Um, and so its properties of the absorption of H2O are what makes it you know, economically viable. Because essentially they put um, agricultural uses for soil conditioning, uh, a plant growth medium. So if you've ever bought a plant from like the Home Depot or something like that, and you see those little white specks in the plant soil, that's actually vermiculite. And they put that in there because if you water it, the vermiculite will suck up all that water and hold onto it for a really long time. And as the plant dries out, it'll slowly release that water back into the soil. Um, so it's almost like a time release bomb for water. Um, what else? Uh, thermal insulation they used it for. Um, I think they still might use it for thermal insulation. Basically, you know, they would take this stuff and blow it into your attic, like in pellets and stuff like that, because, um, because it has that space in between there. Um, I guess it was good for insulating stuff. Um, They'll add like chemical fertilizers and stuff to it to help carry pesticides and herbicides. Um, Oh, when it's rapidly heated, that's when it becomes the best insulator. And 
Yeah, I think that's all I got on vermiculite. All right. Um, so those are the two big groups. You have your your kaolin group and your smectite group. Um, there are also some honorable mentions, I'll say, for clays, minerals yeah, what else anyway. We have talc, which talc, right? yeah, you know, talc, talcum powder, things like that. Talc was used for centuries, if not millennia, for yeah. What various... else do you use talc for besides like in like baby powder? Uh, it's it's used, it's used in like cosmetics. It? It's used as a. It can be used as a lubricant. Lubricant. Um, so I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Um, it has like a greasy feel to it. Um, uh, it's used in paint, ceramics, rubbers, insecticides, roofing paper, cosmetics. Uh, foundry facings. I don't even know what that means. Um, All right. Uh, talc is also used in ornamental material for carving small objects. Think like soapstone. Like that's talc, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we have uh, some, some micas can get into the clay size. Well, mica is a whole different group. Yeah. According mineralogically, they're, they're saying that's a different different group but yes they're also phyllosilicates um thin sheeted silicates um they're also in the tot interlayer kind of realm um but i was just going to mention one more porophyllite oh, can't little little yeah. come on yeah uh porophyllite um that's the white stuff in those famous uh, St. Clair fossils. Yeah. So, oh, so, um, for those that don't know about the St. Clair fossils, you get a, so what, what's it's just, uh, um, Jesse, did you, you took me there once before, right? Did we go there on a, on a trip? I did. And you get all the really cool ferns in the, in the shales there. Yeah. So it's, so, it's, it's now the underclay. That's the underclay so of a coal seam. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, so, yeah. so yeah, so you get fern fossils. So it's the swamp material. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of fern fossils and and whatnot that gets preserved. <clears throat> Steve did a, a study on how that clay actually forms. Yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting process. It's a it's like a multi. It was a multi step process for the porophyllite to get there, um, <clears throat> but. Yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting mi- mineral. Essentially, it's like the what do they call it? The, it's like the redheaded stepchild of talc. It's like the cheaper version of talc. So, <laughs> so they 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 mine it for very similar pers- uh, reasons that they would use talc for, but it's cheaper than talc. So, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, the porophyllite's pretty interesting. It's it's a uh, again, it's like super soft. Kind of like talc, kind of looks like talc. It's white. It almost looks powdery. Um, yeah, the temperature pressure regimes of porophyllite are very similar to talc, but it's it's a very small window. So it's it's yeah. a very interesting process as to how that. But it's it is very fragile. So it's like, uh, how do you have porophyllite in these fern fossils that were buried and you know squished and like you can literally see like the different layers of the leaf structure and things. When you, when you look at it in cross section, it's, it's really pretty cool with those fern mm. fossils. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah. Then we have our mica group. We can, we could go on for days, you know, on your muscovites and biotites and don't, don't get me started on biotite, man. Just, it's just, uh, yeah, we could just go off. Yeah. Well, how about let's uh, we should we should talk on some like uh, some geohazards associated with uh, with clays. And uh, so basically any of the, the geohazards are going to be associated with the the um, swelling and, and shrinking of clays. Right. Like Steve, Steve was talking about the spectites, how they expand. Um, so if you you have a building like these things have been and, and you get the this, you have these clays in the subsurface and they start expanding, that's not going to be good for your foundation. And these things have been known to to take buildings down actually from the uh, from the expansion and then also uh, uh, from the, the subsidence. When these things dehydrate, they uh, 
the ground ground will start to subside and they'll start to uh, move your uh, move move the buildings around and stuff like that. So yeah, you got to be real careful uh, if you're building on this kind of stuff. Structural instability um, on slope stability, things like that. Like if you have if you have a hill and you get a lot of you know, it, yeah, essentially it's like Chris said, shrinking and swelling, and it can cause your, your whole hill slope to just slide away. If you've ever seen some of those big, um, uh, landslide, uh, what do we call it? Mass wasting events. You usually it, it involves clay. Um, and then, uh, let's see. And then like when you have like creep down the side of a, uh, a hill that's that's just kind of like the clay's churning around too oh i thought you meant me walking down a hill slowly just you yes that, that's exactly what i what i was was thinking right there creeping it real <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah gotta uh gotta be careful where you build at with uh with you know just in general know what you're building on you know yeah come on dude you know. my yard all clay is it yeah once yeah. it gets wet it takes like a month for it to dry you get all the all the ponding like yep it's awful jeez i even it's dug a french drain in my yard to get the water out of my yard so i could walk to my trash cans without having to change my shoes twice <laughs> nice um so uh jeez i think that's uh that's pretty much it we covered a lot a lot about clays uh you know, they're if in terms of industrial uses, clays are like super, super important. Um, you know, we could we we've been we talked extensively about uh, you know, all the different uses of clays. Um, you know, uh, you've used clay today, and you didn't even realize it. Um, if not from any of the products that we talked about earlier, clays in your toothpaste. So if you brush your teeth, you are utilizing clay. Yeah, um, they even put uh, kaolin in milkshakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so uh, you know we could also talk about real fast. How do you tell the difference? Like if you're so if you're looking at silt versus clay, here's a little, here's a little trick in the field you can use. If you you know obviously silt, well silt and clay are both microscopic particles. You're not going to be able to see the individual grains, um, and to the to the feel. They'll both be really, uh, really, really smooth. But the trick is, you put a little bit of it in your mouth, and if it's still smooth when you put it in your mouth, you pr- you're mostly you're dealing with a clay there. If it's still a little bit gritty, you're dealing with silt. Yep. Uh, here's a tip from an environmental uh, person in the environmental field: Don't ever put dirt in your mouth. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's all very bad. Yeah, if you're out oh, west yeah. in the middle of nowhere and you want to know the difference between grain size, sure, go ahead. You know, uh, but you know, pretty much anything on the east coast, I wouldn't put it in your mouth. <laughs> you can do the ribbon test too. Yeah, you can. So there, yes, yeah. there are different field tests. The ribbon test, like Chris said, is uh, you put a slightly moist clay or whatever you think is clay in your hand, and you you literally squish it. You push with your thumb between your two, your index finger and your middle finger, and it should create a ribbon and how far that ribbon goes before it breaks uh, can give you a good indication on what's called its plasticity. So how plastic the clay is and how plastic the clay is depends on, you know, gives you a ton of different engineering properties and things like that. Like how build, how big can you build your building on this clay? Like how much is it going to move? How much is it going to, uh, you know, like we were saying before with like slope stability and things like that, you have, you know, what are called Atterberg limits where you, you put it in the machine and it just kind of, it's this weird, like bowl tapping thing. Um, and it, it can, tell you what the plastic limit is of your clay so how 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 much it can take before it breaks um some some atterberg test yeah some some have you know are what are called high plasticity clays some are low plasticity clays and they they all have you know various properties depending upon what you want to use it for if you want to use it for prop pottery you might want to use high plasticity clay if you you know, or trying to build a building, you might want the low plasticity clay. So it all, all depends on, on what, what, you know, 
they're all good in my book. <laughs> Just a matter of what you want to use it for. So the other thing is, uh, you know, uh, we're talking about clays. Um, we didn't, we kind of hinted on how they form, but we didn't get too much into the nitty gritty on how clays form. I just wanted to say one thing, going back to kind of the formation about them. Uh, you don't get clays forming really from, uh, from physical weathering, uh, physical weathering, you know, we're talking about like, like basically just grains getting abraded, just kind of like you smashing them down into smaller and smaller pieces. Physical weathering pretty much stops in the, in the silt category. Um, so the silt category goes from one sixteenth of a millimeter down to one two hundred fifty six of a millimeter. Um, that's where that stuff kind of stops breaking down physically into smaller and smaller pieces. Clays are like all chemical weathering. You always think of like, like you're not you're not just getting stuff that's getting grinded down to that clay category. It's just too small. It's we're dealing with some really really small stuff. So the clays are all when you're dealing with clays you know, the kind of the formation of them. That's, that's all about chemical weathering with those guys. Um, let's see what else, what else we got with clays, anything, uh, um, we actually, you know, we did a, we did a podcast earlier about, um, uh, geez, a couple months ago when we did that, or I guess maybe last year, the origin of life, another, another Patreon special, uh, we talked about how the origin of life might have been uh, related to. There's a hypothesis that life could have originated inside clays. Huh. Um, yes, that's right. I forget because when, clays yeah. have a way of. Oh, geez, it's been a little while since we talked about this, but clays are really weird. And, and uh, well, I, I, I will just say it like this: there's a lot of chemistry going on with with clays or inside clay. And the other thing with clay is that. It would have uh, you have all, this, all this this intricate chemistry going on, and then it all would also block the UV light from the sun. So we we've talked about this about how the early the early Earth's atmosphere didn't have there was no there was no free oxygen, and as a result there was no ozone. So the surface of the Earth was just getting baked in in UV light, and um, so there's a there's that hypothesis floating out there that the origin of life might've been related to uh, chemical reactions inside clays. And uh, there was something too about how clays, I don't want to say the word reproduce, but how like, there's something about how they have this, like there's something about like this, like reproductive memory of, of clays. It, it gets kind of wonky. And you guys remember talking about that? It sounded vaguely familiar, but yeah, vague. I'm even going through some of my notes and I can't, can't there's remember when about, we yeah, talked about Yeah, I don't it. want to butcher it because I don't have my notes in front of me right now from that episode, but there's something about how there was a hypothesis about how they thought what, there was there was one school of thought that was saying that that clays could have been, you know, they, they're, they're, the way uh, that they... The Origins of Life on Earth, episode 86. Yeah. In Check March of 2021. I put, I, put a lot, I put a lot of time into that episode. That, that, was, <laughs> that, that was an intricate episode. That was... Um, but anyways, I'll just stop there. I don't have my notes in front of me and I, I don't, I don't really remember too much about that, but yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, clays. did you perfectly format that episode 86? That was perfectly formatted, <laughs> but it could have been better. It could have been, yeah. better. how could it have been yeah. better, Chris? <laughs> uh, no, we'd like to thank our sponsor, the formatting formula formattingformula.com or youtube forward slash c forward slash formatting formula um believe it or not i was actually just talking to the formatting formula today um but i have another huge document i have to prepare for uh work and literally like 57 appendices and i'm like uh freaking out about like oh i have to add new appendices and they're like just stop it let me see the document they take the document so Whenever I add a new, like if I add appendices right in the middle, you just changes that number and it changes all the numbers after it. I'm like, oh, this is so easy. It's ridiculous. And they're all hyperlinked too. So it's just amazing stuff that the formatting formula can do. I know I could learn how to do it, but I'm kind of spoiled now that I have the formatting formula, like, you know, on speed dial essentially. So check them out, formattingformula.com. Or if you want to teach yourself, you can go to YouTube 
forward slash C forward slash formatting formula for all of your word document formatting needs. So thanks again, formatting formula. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, uh, I think that just about wraps it up for the, uh, for the clay episode. Um, so, uh, thanks again to our, uh, Patreon friend, uh, Jamie out there for, uh, recommending this topic. This was, this was a great topic. Gosh, yeah, I, I'd also like to shout out to our Patreon friend, Maddie, for doing an excellent job on Instagram, or at least that's what I've been told. Cause I'm still don't check Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, yes. Uh, I agree with that, but uh, yeah, I'll say this clay topic. I feel like this is definitely one where we could have done four episodes on it. Oh yeah. This could be coal part two or coal, our, our magnum opus to clay. Yes. So yes, our Patreon out there. If, if you're unhappy, be like, what? That was the worst. Please redo that. We can, uh, you know, clay is one of those topics where like, like Jesse said, you could dive in for days and not even scratch the surface. Like I, I, you know, they're not, they're at the office, but I have several books on clay. <laughs> Just, I mean, I think, uh, I, you know, I don't think anybody saw us linking baseballs and parrots to that's a, to that's clay. a good point. Yeah. You know, that's what we bring to the table here. The real curveball with that one. Hi <laughs> I see what you did there. You like that? I do. I do. That was very nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So speaking of Patreons, if you want to help support the podcast, please, please become a Patreon. If, if not for anything, for the cool stickers you get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Steve's got the old school stickers. We, we upgraded since, since those, uh, you know, I don't, I wouldn't know if I'd say upgraded, but okay. <laughs> Steve's got the OG stickers. Yeah. You can contact me if you want to old school sticker from 2014 15 something like that yeah they probably use clay to make those stickers <laughs> probably in some kind of some kind of dye yeah, or something it, like it's, that. it's the, the shiny part that makes the paper not stick to the sticky part yeah i'm sure there's, there's some kind i just of made all that up but yeah well thanks everyone for listening we appreciate it yeah this is a this is a fun one and uh yeah so uh check us out on all the social media stuff um facebook insta um yeah all that stuff uh steve's gonna do a uh a tiktok where he does an interpretive geology dance Ooh, uh yeah several times a week yes send him, send him the rock he will do an interpretive geological dance of that Ooh. rock yeah oh i like it <laughs> but you actually have to physically send me a rock though oh that could uh they could they could go south real fast. I don't know. Could Who doesn't like getting rocks in the mail? The the mailman does not like delivering. Them. <laughs> True, but yeah, I'm I'm in. You know, I'll get on TikTok for that. Let's do all it. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that just about wraps it up. Thank you so much to all of our uh, all everyone out there listening. Thank you to our Patreon friends out there that help support the podcast um everyone that was uh hanging out for the for the podcast recording today love you guys and uh catch you guys for another episode next week jesse what song oh, are you taking us out with that's a that's a, a great one uh whew. so right. i would know I, I was thinking give me a second <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you were on me quick there. I so I was thinking um, there was uh, shoot. What's the? All right, tell me what song did you have? <laughs> I was I was trying to think of um, the what's the song from? Ah, all I can think of is uh, uh, the Back to the Future. It's your cousin. Marvin, Marvin Berry. Yeah, because um, Chuck Berry's, you know, the first rock and roll or whatever song. Um, Are you thinking of Muddy Waters? No, no, no. Oh, that's a good one. I should. That is just anything by Muddy Waters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's do that. No, because um, the opening lines in that are uh, that 
you know, be about being in a swamp and being in the mud down in Mississippi, down in New Orleans. Mm, there you go. Anyhow, uh, you, you got me. You got me. Wow. Clay's so a this... tough one. I got what? stuck in the mud. Trying to think of a song here. <laughs> ah, born on the. Uh, we got. I actually, I did, I couldn't think of. I was about about forty minutes ago. I was thinking, what song is Jesse going to take us out with? And uh, I heard, there's a piece of clay by Marvin Gaye. I was, yeah, I, 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 that that actually just now popped in the head. But uh, the follow up, second place, Georgia Clay by Zach Brown Band. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we we didn't talk about. Um, Southeastern U.S. Uh, Fuller's Earth, Holly Gorskite. Good no, we did not. Right there. We did uh, not talk about that. I don't Clay, know too much about that. I've seen it. Clay Part 2? Clay Part 2. Part G from Montmorillo Night? <laughs> Maybe we'll keep that for the uh, the Patreon Extra. Oh. <sighs> nice teaser, Chris. I uh, Yeah. It. I, I did right. have a story about uh, the Clovis people too. If you want to talk about, yes. That. All Man, right, these well, patrons you know. are getting something tonight. Yeah. All, all right. right. On that note, um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for hanging out for the geology flannel cast, and uh, I'm move over to the Patreon extra now. Catch you guys later. Have a great week. Catch you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for stopping. Bye.